This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. If you will, you go over to the book of Galatians where we stepped off. I'm just going to repeat a few things and we're going to get right into it. And we understand exactly what the book of Ezra is about and we understand what Ezra was. He was a ready scribe. We understood how, what made him a ready scribe is that he prepared his heart. And that's all God is doing with us throughout this teaching, throughout these series of teachings. He's getting us to a place where he is preparing us, getting us to prepare our hearts so that we can be ready for his next move, ready for anything that he has for us, anything that he would ask of us. But he's looking for hearts to be right. Remember, God never looks at the outside. God is always looking on the inside because that's what he's concerned about. He's looking at that which nobody else He's looking at that which nobody else thinks is there. But he knows it's there and you know it's there. And sometimes even some things that are there that you may have ignored or may have been sitting dormant. And he'll show it to you in teachers like this that it's there. So don't reject it if he's showing you something that you thought you were through with or you thought that can't be me. Well, if he's talking to everybody, he's, he's talking to everybody in here. It's things in there that just you and he know about. And God is ready to do something. He's ready to make a move on your life as you change your heart. But let me tell you, we all have something to do. God has his part. We have our part. So when he gives you something, then you have to change. You've got to make the change. You've got to do the hard, unseen work that nobody sees. Every time we get through teaching, you have to get up, get out of here, and go do the hard work. And the hard work is examining myself. It's easy to do it from the outside. It's easy to correct things that people could see so they can see that you've corrected. But God is not interested in that right now in this teaching. He's only interested in what they don't see, but only He sees. And He said, I'm dealing with you all individually, and I'm dealing with you in such a way that... You're going to understand that all of those things, all them damaging things and all those corrupt things and all those things that are unholy, unrighteous, all the things over the years that have been planted in your heart, I'm trying to dig up and dig out so that you can be free. So that when I give you an assignment or when I bring someone in your life, you can be effective because why? I've changed my heart. and My motivation is love. Everything is different now. I don't think like I used to think. I don't act like I used to act. So God, I'm yielding myself to do all that you call me to do. All of that, God is saying, get yourself in order. This is the time. And I told you before, and I'll tell you again, this is the time. Remember, a dispensation of time, a span of time. This is the time to get it right. Once this closed and another dispensation opened, it will be harder to do. Now everything that you need to make that happen is available in, in, in this span of time, this teaching of time, everything that you have. Let me tell you, your heart being tender, God's there to speak to your heart, to show it to you clearly. All of that is right now in this span of time. Don't waste it because it's not time you can get back. If you say, oh, yeah, I have come and no, I, I don't know if that's me. and You're wasting time. Let God deal with you so that you can use everything, everything in this span of time God show me. 
Why? I mean, he even started us off with the fasting so he could say, so you can get a clear vision so, so that you won't let this time slip by and you don't see it. Amen? Don't be moved by who's not in the chairs. Don't be moved by who's coming and who's not coming. Be just focus on the work. Focus on what God just want to do with you. That's all. Because God's not focused on who's not in the chairs. God is focused on the ones that are here. Amen. And we went over to Galatians chapter 6 and you're there. And I told you that we were going to subtitle these, uh, this teaching, A Heart to Restore My Brother and My Sister. And, we, and I said that God wants us to be a people and a place that he can use in this time to heal those that are hurting and struggling and, and going through some things. And he said, now, but I can't heal them until you're first healed. I can't, I, can't, I can't do anything with you until first you get your heart right. So that when I send them your way, you will be, if you want to restore this generation, we've got to first start in this house. We've got we to gotta make sure that everyone in this house is restored. Because this generation, it's, it's a, it takes a lot of work. Amen? And then I told you that, um, we're, uh, mm, oh, well, let's just read it. In chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. And I told you that the first thing that you have to do, you have to humble yourself, and then you have to repent. When you find yourself overtaken in a fault. We dealt with overtaken with a fault. And what that meant. And all that it meant. And God said now, because you've been overtaken in a fault, the first thing you have to do, you're going to have to repent. Repent. And acknowledge that I erred. I was in trouble. I did wrong. And then i got to consider my ways. And i got to turn around. i got to turn around. Not because you don't turn around because you don't have no place to go. You don't turn around because this is your this is the last option you have. You turn around because you have a convicted heart and you repent. There's a difference. There's a difference. Amen. And then I told you, if you've been overtaken in a fault, that you have to move forward. You can't stay in that state because when you, when you stay in that state, you become to a place where you're just, you, you, you're still. You can't go anywhere. You can't, you can't move forward. You can't go. You feel cast aside. You feel like you're left out of everything. You can't, you just, you, you're just there. But there's a way to get out of that. And God has showed us some of that this morning. Amen. And then we, we talked about all the different things that the person that's in the fault needs to do. And then we began to talk about what we have to do. And we have to, and I told you that we have to make sure that we can heal the hurt, repair the damage, and rebuild, rebuild what has been broken in that person. Let me tell you, and I told you, every one of us have, every one of us have, of us have been overtaken in a fault before. Every one of us. 
And so we got to be just, we have to be considerate of those that have been overtaken, that have humbled themselves, that have repented, that want to move forward. They're showing you that they want to move forward. And they're acting on it. They're going forward with it. Those are the people that we want to help get where they need to be. Amen? And then I told you when a person humbles themselves, repent, and desires to move forward, that the church cannot make it more difficult than it already is. It is a difficult thing when you have been overtaken with the fault and you've got to come back among members or among people. It's difficult. And so we have to understand how difficult that is. So as a church, we cannot make it more difficult for them. Amen? We cannot. When a person has been overtaken in a fault, there's something they have to do and it's something we have to do. And when we know what we have to do, we say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my part. And then you watch to make sure they're doing their part. Amen? And then I told you that we, people don't like to read the scripture because they think when you say, you know, restore such a one and, 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 and what does it say? And um, bear one another's burdens. We don't want to hear that. We don't want to be like, oh, God, it feels like I got to take on everything. You don't have to take on everything, all of their burdens. And we'll get to that later on. But you don't have to do all that. You have just your part to do. And that is to have your heart tender with compassion because you see the person is struggling. You see the person that have dropped, that have repented and they're humbling themselves. And it's a hard thing. It is a hard thing to humble yourself and repent after you've been overtaken in a fall. Amen. And, and, and what did I say? I told you that when a person is overtaken in the fault, it's usually the root of it is that they had pride. <clears throat> the pride got them somewhere that God was not. Always. Whenever you, whenever you get caught up, pride got you and took you to a place where God was. And wherever God is not, I'm going to tell you, it ain't nothing but sin and bondage and foolishness. Amen. And then I, I told you, um, when we're talking about mm, overtaking in a fault, we're talking about uh, being stalled. We're talking about being left behind. We're talking about feeling like, you know, I'm pushed aside. Yes, you're going to feel that way because that, that, that's all a part of being overtaken in fault. But we as a church can't make it harder. We've got to try to make it easier. They already feel bad. When a person has repented and they're, they're, they're trying to get their life right with God, let me tell you, they feel bad. Now, if you don't feel bad, you haven't repented. Because you feel bad. That i got to be in front of people and, you know, they're, mm -mm, mm -mm. I told you that fault means a sin, an offense. It's an error or a lapse of judgment. That's what you did when you were overtaken in the fault. You were sinning. That you could have had an offense against someone. You're in error about everything. And you have a lapse of judgment because I said when you're in that state, you will do anything. You will do anything. Amen? Then I told you when you humble yourself before God, uh, uh, there's also going to come embarrassment with it. Because it's going to be embarrassment to the to a man, man. Because once you humble yourself and repent before God, and you you show that remorse and you show that, let me tell you, people are going to have a clue that you blew it. 
And it's hard to repent and turn around your life and acknowledge I'm wrong. And now this is how I know that you're sincere when you don't blame anybody but yourself. Nope, 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 nope. It wasn't mama's fault. It wasn't daddy's fault. It wasn't upbringing. It wasn't race. It wasn't because my parents got a divorce. It wasn't because, you know, it wasn't because we didn't have enough money. It wasn't because the neighborhood you come from. Nope, nope, nope. See, that person still haven't repented. Because none of that, every choice that you made to get in that fault is yours. Until you own up and say, it was me. I acknowledge all of it was me. I'm not going to blame anybody for it but myself because I'm the one put myself in that. It's hard to repent. It's not an easy thing to do. That's when you start making up excuses. That's when you're trying to make it look a little better. See, let me tell you something so you, you, you won't waste your time with that. When you have been overtaken in the fall, ain't nothing you can say to try to make that thing look good. There's nothing you can do to try to make that thing look innocent. It's a fault. It's a sin. It's an offense. It's a lapse of judgment. It is what it is. So quit talking because then you're going to start lying and you're going to start doing all that. And that's not showing humbleness and that's not showing repentance. you got to own up to that was it. That was me. If you want to get help, that's what you have to do. Own up to it. That's why I believe that the Bible teaches us when someone's overtaken in a fault and, you know, where, where, where it's a group of people and stuff and people need to stand forward and tell of their mistakes because God is trying to get them to understand it's all you. Acknowledge that. And that's not an easy thing to do. But when you are sincere and you want to repent, you say, it doesn't matter that I'm embarrassed. It doesn't matter that I'm embarrassed in front of people. I don't care. I, I, let me, I'm not embarrassed in front of God. I just want God to help me. I want God to get me out of this. I don't care about what you think of me, how you think of me. I'm getting right with God. That's what you have to do. Boldly. And I'm telling you, people that really love you, people that really walking with God, they're not thinking like that about you. Now, they might see your mistake, and every time they see you, they might think on that, but they have a heart to know, you know what, they are repenting, and they're pushing forward, and they're going forward. I'm going to help them get where they need to be. They're, they're humble. I, I see that they're not trying to just, you know, that, that's why humble means just, just be quiet. Sit down and learn and grow. And just, just sit there until your time. Your time will come. Amen? So it is a difficult thing to say that now I'm going to move forward. It's difficult. I'm going to forget those things that are behind. I'm going to press toward tomorrow. It's difficult when you've been overtaken in a fall. And all I'm saying is when people desire to do that, they'll come to, they're, they're coming to the church. They're going to come into the church because this is the place of restoration. And we cannot make it hard for them. This is a place of restoration. Restoration has to happen here. Between us as a body, we cannot make it more difficult than it already is. Let's not try to make them, mm, 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 I'm staying away from them. You know, mm, mm, no, no, no. You're making it more difficult. 
I don't have nothing to do with them after what they did. You're making it more difficult. Now, again, they might not be back where they once was, but you still can love them. And you still can show them love. You still can be patient with them. Especially when you know they have humbled themselves and repented. You watch for that. Amen? And many of us in here, if we just look at our life, many of us have been restored. See, we done done kind of forgot because it's been over the years. But many of us have been restored. And if we were honest, sometimes when we were restored and we were in a church, they made it harder for us. They made it harder for us. The church did not speed up the process. They slowed it down. Like they're punishing you. Sometimes the things people will say to you or do to you when you're trying to get right. See, we got to be ever so careful. But a change of heart will make you pick and choose your words wisely. You don't just blurt out anything when a person is trying to get right. Because then you'll end up not being a blessing. But in essence, you'll be a detriment to them. And we don't want to be that. We don't want to be that. Amen. I'm saying that when people are overtaken, and they're doing their part, and they're trying their best to get it right, the body of Christ supposed to be an asset. We have to be an asset. Why? To help them get back to a place that God desires desires them to be. God is not mad at them, so we can't be. So we can't be. Get over your disappointment. I mean, see, I'm not saying that you don't have a disappointment. Yeah, you do. But you got to get over it. When they're trying to move forward. Say, you know what, I'm highly disappointed, but you know what? They're moving forward and we got to move, we we just got to go with it. God expects that of us. But you know what? That's not easy for us either. You know why? You have to be prepared to do that. You got to be prepared to do that. That change your heart. You've got to prepare yourself to do that. And you know what? Sometimes we're more prepared to do that for sinners than we are believers. We easily do it for sinners, but not believers. Sometimes we're more prepared to do it for strangers than those in the household of faith. I've been for the, somebody I don't know, but not the ones I do. Not somebody with the membership number. I'm going to make it a little harder for them. They should know better. The kind of word we get, they should know better. No. Remember, we've all been overtaken in a fault. Don't forget that you were once too and God got you out. When you repented and you went for it, somebody loved on you. Somebody ministered to you. Somebody yielded and bent so that you could get back where you needed to be. Listen, when a person has been overtaken by a fault, God wants us to be a people and a place that they can come to and be healed. God said, I want them to be able to come to you. I don't want, I don't want the trouble. You know what? I was just thinking, if just our hurting children, 
just start hurting children, just start hurting children, came home. I'm talking about came home from church. And, and you know what? And I'm not even really talking about biological. I'm just talking about the children that grew up in this church. We'd be packed. If just the children that grew up in this church gave their life to God in this church, and since giving their life to the Lord, they have, you know, at one time or another, they have fallen into a fall. They've been overtaken by a fall. Listen, we got to understand this. God wants His children home. He really, he, he really does. He wants His children home. But He said, but how can I bring them home if you're not going to be ready to receive them? Are you going to be ready to receive them if I bring them home? See, it's, it's, it's different because it's a way that you have to do it. You can't just be ruthless when they come home. You know, see, if they come home, you can't go up to them and say, Ah, I'm so glad you're back. Where you been so long? That's condemnation. Where you been? That's condemnation. We got to know how to receive them. What you, what, what you, what, what? We're going to get into that. I have three points. Write this one once and you don't have to write it again. My heart must be prepared, number one, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice in the scripture it says, you which are spiritual... Now, I want you to know spiritual is not spooky. It's not, oh, well, praise, hallelujah to God, hell, I'm blessed and favored and, uh, you know, and living the life of God and I'm the head, not the tail. That's not spiritual. You know, saying all those things, how blessed you are and highly favored and walking in the things of God, that's not spiritual. I'm just claiming and proclaiming and that I'm the head and not the tail. No, putting long messages on your answer machine, trying to preach somebody. And people don't... Do you know when people call you on the phone, they, not, they don't want you talking to them. They want to talk to you about something. And you got a whole 15-minute message. They've been to church. They don't need you talking about, God, I just want to know. I just want you to know if you didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ today. You know what? When I get one with a long message like that, I just hang up. It's just too much. I don't need you. I want to say something to you. We want to put all that on, you know, like, like that's going to make you spiritual. I'm going to put all of this on my phone and I'm going to do all of this so they'll know I'm spiritual. That's not spiritual. Did you hear me? It's not spiritual. Spiritual is not wearing makeup and dressing up. Spiritual is not, I don't wear makeup, I'm not dressing up. And I'm walking around here looking like I'm on my way to where? Surely not heaven. That's not spiritual. You know, okay, I just want to make sure how to, you know, I don't want nothing on. I'm pure. I'm pure. You know, just because you don't wear makeup don't make you pure. Now, you might be pure ugly, but I'm not going to say that out loud. Did I say that out loud? I was thinking that. I didn't mean to say that out loud. But don't act like if I don't, if I don't wear makeup, that means I'm pure. If I don't talk to the Avon lady, I'm, that's, I'm spiritual. If I don't, do they still have the Avon lady? Oh, well, you know, all of those type of things. None of that makes you spiritual. 
And see, people think that that does. You know, if I would make sure I, uh, let me see, get that tape measure, make sure my dress is 13 inches. I just got to make sure, make sure everything's on. I don't care if you cover it up or if all your busts are showing. That still don't make you spiritual. Just like you, because you're showing uh, cleavage don't make you a whore. You could be just wearing it like that. Those things don't make you spiritual. And I'm not looking at you spiritual because I'm thinking to myself, if you're walking up to me with no makeup on, I'm thinking to myself, oh, you need to be snatched. You need, you, you need, you need to make a Bible. My grandchildren even say that. Uh, 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 my son, Isaiah, now he don't even know because me and Layla, we get in the mirror and we talk about snatching faces and Layla be, madam, your face looks snatched and everything. And then, then big Isaiah, we sit and watch TV and who is that on there? I don't know, it was somebody on there. And then he go, he don't even know nothing about it. About, she needs to be snatched. I said, now wait a minute. I said, now what do you know about that? Talking about she looks bad. She needs to be snatched. I said, now what does snatch mean? He said, well, I don't know, but that's what y'all say. So, But I know she needs it. <laughs> so that's what I'm thinking. But I just, my, my whole thing is letting you know it doesn't make you holy because you don't wear makeup. And it doesn't make you unholy because you do. Amen. Just just want to make that 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 known because some people they think like that. Amen. And they have whole congregations thinking like that. And that's a bunch of foolishness. They have let, let me tell you. They have all of that going on. They dress like you know want to cover up and we we know we we do need to be covered, but they cover up from here all the way down and they have everything they they have no makeup on and they have they try to put on the oldest and everything. But you're doing everything that nobody sees wrong. You're having sex outside of marriage. You're masturbating. You're doing everything else. You're cussing. You're drinking. That nobody sees. But you think, because I look a certain way, it makes me spiritual. You've been overtaken in a fault. Just to make, just, just to make sure that you understand that. You get no... You, you, you get no... You, you know, you don't get no kudos with God because you don't wear makeup and all that. No. Mm-mm. Now, this word spiritual here, if you would study it out more fully, it would read like this. Ye which are filled with and governed by the Holy Spirit. That's a difference. When it says ye, you which are spiritual, you which are spiritual, that's the one he wants to go to. So you, you wouldn't change that scripture if you say, you which are filled with and governed by the Holy Spirit. That means, now, right there, with the meaning of spiritual, that means that everybody in the church is not qualified. <laughs> ah, you missed that. Everybody in church is not qualified to get involved in this process of helping someone who is overtaken the fall. Because this person must not only be filled, but they must be governed by the Holy Spirit. Because, see, there's people in church that, you, you know, that they're not governed by the Holy Spirit. They're not governed by God's Spirit. Now, I didn't say they didn't have the Spirit. I said they're not governed by it. There's a difference. That's one of the reasons I believe Paul didn't say everybody rally around that person. Because if Paul, Paul knew if he had said everybody just rally around him, there would be some people in that rally that was not going to be helpful. That's why he said, now, just you that's spiritual, that's filled with and governed by 
Those are the ones that I want to address. These people. Not you. I, I know, I know, I know you have the Holy Spirit, but you're not governed by it. You don't live by it. So I don't need you saying anything. You're going to have to get to the point where you're governed by it. Amen? He said, those of you are being governed by the Spirit of God. There's many of us that we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us, but He's not governing our life. Now, the word govern, it means I have been changed by the Holy Spirit, and I'm obedient to the Holy Spirit, and I'm submitted to the Holy Spirit. Now, if you all of that, you're a candidate. I'll say it again. To be governed means that I have been changed by the Holy Spirit, I'm obedient to the Holy Spirit, and I'm submitted to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has changed me on the inside. I'm obedient to the Spirit of God that's on the inside of me. I'm submitted. In other words, I'm not going to get in the presence of somebody and do something or say something other than how the Spirit of God spoke into my heart. I'm not going to go and give them my own opinion. I'm not going to just blurt out anything. I'm not going to talk crazy to them. I'm not going to do all of that. Why? Because I'm governed. God is going to always... I'm not, I can't speak what I want to speak. If God didn't say it, be quiet. I don't care how much you want to say it. Just hush. See, that's the person governed. You say, no, mm-mm, mm-mm. I'm led by His Spirit. And he's saying those of us that are governed and obedient and submitted and led by the Spirit of God, they're the ones responsible to restore somebody in the spirit of meekness that have been overtaken in the fall. Now we, now we know. That starts shrinking the amount of numbers that should be dealing with people that are overtaken in the fall. Because see, there's a qualifications for it. Because he said, you which is spiritual. He could have said, just everybody in the church... If somebody's overtaken, but, but no, he said, only you that are filled with and governed, that's led by his spirit, that's obedient to his word, you go to them if they're overtaken in a fall. In the spirit of weakness. And this is what we want. We want in this church, we want this. I want the majority of us to be spiritual. I know all of us won't, but I want the majority of us to be spiritual. Again, I'm not talking about putting a Bible verse in every sentence that you speak. That's not spiritual. Some people think that is. I'm not talking about putting a Bible marker in your marker and say, oh, they, they're spiritual. Or, or CDs in your car. I don't care how many notes you take. That doesn't make you spiritual. I don't care, care how many classes you've taken. I don't care how many new members, how many AMC, how many whatever classes. That doesn't make you spiritual. I want this church, in this process of preparation, to learn to be governed by the Holy Spirit. This word spiritual also means that you have the power to love. Now, see, spirit, when he's saying to you which is spiritual, it, it's the whole You have the power to love. That word power simply means the ability. I have the ability to love. See, every, I, I understand. God told me, and I believe it. Everybody can't minister to everybody. Now, you may be able to minister to certain type of people, 
but you can't minister to everybody. Sometimes I just go around people and I'm listening and watching. Sometimes a lot of people, you just can't minister to everybody. By this I mean, in certain situations, listen, your thoughts, your attitude, your belief is stronger than your power to love. And I've seen it. And I've seen it. That's why you can't, everybody can't minister to everybody. Let me say it again. I'm going to say it again. In certain situations, your thoughts, your attitudes, your beliefs are stronger than your power to love. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to prepare our hearts. That's what He's doing. He's showing us us. See, when you have the opportunity to minister, you have to understand that I have to come, it has to come from the right heart. See, we're going to face some things. We're going to face some things that's going to be... See, you're going to face some things that's going to be contrary to the way you live. But you've got to have a heart for it. It'll be contrary. But God will call you to minister and be a blessing. So you, so that's why I have to allow the Holy Spirit to change me. Because God is saying, you know what, I'm not going to put you in a comfortable situation. It's going to be in something that you're not used to. But if your heart is changed, you're capable. You have the ability to do it. But if it's not, you won't be. You'll be like, oh, I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. Oh, I don't want to deal with them. See, you can't hold on to things. See, like, for example, you can't just... Say this is this is our thought. I'm born black. I'm black. I'll always be black to the day I die. I'm black. That's you. You gotta change all that kind of foolishness. See, we have belief, and that's what we think. What is that? Where is that in the Bible? But we live like that, and that's our beliefs. And God said, I want you to change the way you talk, the way you think. Listen, there are things that we say that are much stronger than our ability to love. It's in our thoughts and it comes out. Much stronger. Our thoughts, our attitudes, our beliefs on the inside strong enough that it may, you know what, that it will make you uncomfortable around certain people. Because of the way you believe, the way you think, your thought pattern, your attitude. Mm, mm, mm. Means actually your attitude is even deeper than that. Mm, anybody else can come on in this church, but I know who I am. No. Because some are going to come in. Those are things you're going to have to deal with. I've been here since, okay. No. We need the Holy Spirit to govern our lives. We just can't say, you know, we just can't say, you know, uh, I don't know if I want to help them. You got the help when you needed it. And the Bible tells us that the Spirit helps our infirmities. You got the weaknesses. That's why right here, right now, God is saying deal with it. Deal with it. And those are just examples, but it goes deeper. Wherever you are, God is saying, I want that out of you. I want all kind of things out of you. 
Listen, the Holy Spirit has to prepare our heart, letter A, to not judge. Write it down. Now let me tell you something that's on the inside of every one of us. There's a little judgment. A little judgmental there. There's a little judgment on the inside of all of us. I'm sorry. God has said it and I'm saying it. There is a little bit of judgment in every one of us. You know, in prisons, <laughs> they have to isolate certain prisoners. And I'm going to show you that there's judgment in all of us. They isolate certain prisoners because sometimes the pri- pri- people that are in prison, they've done one thing, but if you did a certain thing, if you come in, we're going to beat you up or we're going to kill you. Now, when a criminal don't feel safe with another criminal, that's a little judgment. Somewhere. In other words, they're saying, what I did is not as, not as bad as what you did. So, see, there's a little judgment in all of us, even criminals. Even criminals. There's a judgment in all of us. I, I thought about that. I'm like, so you murder somebody, but what they did is worse than that, so you, you're out. You need to, mm-mm. Look at somebody and say, there's a little bit of judgment on the inside of us. And you know what? You have to be prepared not to judge. God has to prepare you not to judge. Let me tell you. And see, I don't want you to say, no, I don't judge people, because I'm going to tell you what God said. It is our inclination as humans to judge. So everybody has that. So don't lie. Because God said, no, it's, it's a human inclination that is right there. They're always going to judge. That's our analytical makeup. It's just to size it up and judge it. And, we, and have you noticed, we always want to get to the facts so we can make a judgment. What did they do? Well, when did that happen? What? Well, how many was there? See, we want to get all the... So why? I can make a judgment on this thing. So I need to know everything. It starts down on the inside. Here's a judgment. Now, see, if I was them, I wouldn't have. That's a judgment. That's a judgment. Now, I'm going to give you a way to help the helper, the Holy Spirit. Because he's always helping us. So let me give you a way to help him. As if he needs your help. But I'm going to still give it to you. So we can help the helper. Let me tell you how you can help him. Write it down. Learn how not to want to know everything. See? That's the deal. See, where did they go? What? Well, when? When did that happen? Pregnant? What? Well, who the baby daddy? See, we, you won't more too much. And let me tell you, a lot of times you ain't mature enough to handle what you're going to hear. How many times? What? Well, when did it? Was everybody there? Well, where did it happen? See, we need to stop wanting to know what we don't need to know. Just stop there and say, you know what, I don't need to know that. You need to tell yourself, you know what, when you begin to ask about something, say, you know what, that's none of my business. 
Now when you say that, you're giving the Holy Spirit more to work with. Because every time you get more information, it becomes harder and harder for you not to judge. I'm going to tell you that. The more information you get, it's going to be harder and harder for you not to judge. Now the Holy Spirit got to waste more power in your heart. I'm telling you, so He won't have to work so hard trying to get you right. Listen, if a person has sinned, you don't need the details. You don't need the details to help them. Okay, now tell me everything that happened. Because if you tell me everything, and now I'm going to start judging you. Now when, now when, now when did this happen? Now where? Mm-mm. We don't want to do that. See, if a person is overtaken in the fault, you need to stop inquiring who they slept with, who they sinned with, what they did. Again, because you might get some information that you're not equipped to handle. Why do you need to know the detail about somebody that have a baby? We all know how that happens, right? So why do you need details? Why do you need to know anything? They've been overtaken in the fault. You already know how that works. Why do you need details? Because you're setting yourself up to judge. And then you're putting that person in a spot where they're going to start lying because they've got to make themselves look good. But you've been overtaken in the fault. There ain't nothing good about it. So you just don't ask. You already know. It is what it is. I don't need to know what it takes to get a baby. I have two. And most of you in here have children. So you already know. So why do you need details? Why do you need details about anything that somebody's doing? You don't. Amen. The Holy Spirit has to prepare our heart and let it be to not condemn. See, there's, listen, there's judgment, then there's condemnation. Both of them are not the same. God, God, the Holy Spirit, has to prepare our hearts not to condemn. There is judgment and then there's condemnation. Judgment, listen, write it down, is just my opinion. Condemnation is what I think ought to happen to you. Mm, There's a difference. I say judgment is my own opinion. But condemnation is what I think ought to happen to you for what you did. See, I have to be very careful. Let the Holy Spirit prepare our hearts. To not condemn. You have to work on these other hard, unseen things. If somebody comes back to this church, you have to be careful not to do condemnation. Oh, by the time you came back, I was wondering where you been. Now, they didn't hear that. They hear, I've, I've, I've been... You know, Especially if people have been gone five years, ten years, or seven years, however many years, two years, and they came back, they left when they were 18, or they left when they were 20, and they come back 28. And somebody said, oh, good, you're finally back. They are hearing, hearing condemnation, like your tail been in sin. So now you're back. Now, if somebody did you like that, would you feel encouraged? 
No. You'd feel like, oh God. You would hear condemnation. You've been gone ten years. Finally stuck your head in the door. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Prayer works. They're like, oh Lord, I just wanna I just wanna sit down in here. And let me tell you, and I don't care how much the person smile when you say that and even hug you, they feel condemned. They feel condemned. Well, okay, Sister Hill, then somebody comes in and they haven't been here for a while. So what do you say to them? See, I always give you the answer and then you go and act the fool. I'm going to tell do you know what you need to say to them when they haven't been here or you haven't seen them and they come in, you know what you need to say? Hi. Hi. I love you. Let me tell you, nobody would feel condemned if all you said was hi and let them know you love them. That's it. You don't have to go any further than that. Why did you ever leave? We got the word. You, you know what Jesus said. And you know what his disciples said. Where can we go? Stop it. You are condemning them. Just say hi. I love you. That's it. Nothing else is needed. When you start going further than that, you start condemning. And that's what people need when they come into a church. Just hug them and smile. Hug them and smile. And tell them that you love them. Whether it's been two years, ten years, or the other day. I just love you. You remember our pastor, he'll say he would speak to people and they'd be like, I was there. What you See, you, you, now that person, they just, you know, because where they have, if people just have a different thing when pastors speak to you. They just act like, they know. So they just condemn themselves. You don't even need to condemn me. And you be like, and pastor's like, I'm just speaking to you. And you trying to tell me where you've been and where, all that. But that's different because it's just the way people think when they're talking to a pastor. But, hi. Hey. I love you. And just go go on and, and whatever. Talk about their job. Anything other than they've been away and you've been out, you out of order and out of line. Just say, I love you. That's all you have to do. And I'm telling you, when you do that, it's no way they're going to feel condemned. I don't care how long they've been away. They didn't come back for you to put them on trial. They don't want that. They don't want that. They like, oh, you know what? I, mm-mm. I just want to sit down. I don't. I don't want nobody talking to me about that. I don't want them feeling like, oh God, they're gonna ask me something about that. No, they should feel calm because they like they're not gonna ask me nothing. They just love me and just act like I've been there all the time. That's showing them love. Just act like they've been there all the time. Amen. The Holy Spirit has to prepare and let us see. Our hearts to minister. I love what the Bible says in 1 John. It says, minister in word, not just in word, but in deed and in truth. Sometimes we use many words, but perform very few deeds. And he says, not in just words, but in deeds. When a person is overtaken in a fault and they have repented, they don't want to hear a lot of words. I'm going to tell you, they do not want to hear a lot of words. Sometimes people don't want to hear a lot of any. They don't want people to talk to anything. They, just, they don't want to talk about anything with people from church. 
They like, I just want to sit down. I just want to hear the message. I just want to hear the message on Sunday. I want to hear the message on Wednesday. I want to get out. I want to go, go to family life. And from that on, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to hear from a lot of people. Remember, see, back it up. They're embarrassed. They've been overtaken in a fault. They don't want a whole bunch of talking. Yes, I love you. That's been an accent. They don't want a whole lot of talking. Why did you do No, no, no. We don't do that. Now, they don't want a whole lot of talking, but they do want people to care for them. They want people to care for them. They want people to love them. But that's indeed, not just in words. Indeed as well. Listen, when you stall, you're trying to get moving again. See, okay, when you come back to church, it's hard enough. Let me tell you, they're trying to get back rolling again. It's hard enough just to swallow the word. It's hard to just swallow the word I'm teaching. It, it's hard. It is hard. It's hard enough. They then came back in and they like, and you on my case, and this is on my case, and that's on my case, and the word, and I'm trying to get this word out without being offended and mad. It's just, it's hard for them to swallow any word. So they don't need the extra. We want to be an asset. We don't want to, we don't want to discourage them. And they got to sit here 56 minutes, 58 minutes, and try to get that word down. And then someone want to stop him in the parking lot and give him another 30 minutes of beating. See, let me tell you something. This is the way I am. When I'm up here teaching, that's all the fussing and all the deal I want to do. When I come down there, you ain't got to worry about me talking to you about nothing. I'm not going to do it. Because I've done it here. Now, you might come and ask me something, and I'm thinking to myself, weren't you in there? Because I'm tired. My, I got corns on my toes, and they hurt. I need to go see the podiatrist about that, too. I'm so scared he's going to tell me not to wear no more pointy-toed shoes, so I've been putting it off. But that pain is saying, you better square up them toes. But they don't, let me tell you, people don't want to know. No. I, so you don't never have to be afraid to try to run from me when I come down from here. Like, oh, she's going to say something to me. She's going to say something to me. No. And none of the other ministers are. They're not going to say anything about anything. Unless you ask them something. Other than that, you ain't got to run because I don't want to talk about it. I just talked for 60 minutes. I don't want to talk about it. Because I'm not going to say anything down there that I'm not have already said up here. That's not right. <sighs> now, hug them, let them know you love them, and let them go. You don't have anything else to say to them about anything else. See, when somebody's hurting, they're saying to themselves, please don't say anything to me, I'm hurting. And let me tell you, you'll know when they don't want you to say anything, they just start mumbling and talking about everything else because they don't want you to talk about that. Because they feel like you are. No, I'm not. When a person wants to be ministered to, they're saying, you know what? I don't want to be bothered with that. I got enough hanging over me. 
it's been very difficult for me to turn around. Because let me tell you, when you come out of being overtaken with a fall, let me tell you, it ain't that easy to turn around. You done got acclimated to that fall. You was living in that fall. Now I got to turn around and do something totally different. That's diff- that's I got to repent, turn around. That's difficult. It's not easy. See, we think it's easy because we're not in that fall. And we like, so you know what, just stop it. Just say no. But it's not that easy. It's not that easy. It's not impossible because you have to turn around, but it's hard. So while they're thinking, please don't bring something up that I've done. Oh, please don't. And please, let's stop talking about this. You're making this thing rougher than it, all, than it is. Mm-mm. And when I'm governed by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can help me to know when to shut up and how to minister. See, when I'm governed, he'll say, nope, not today. And tomorrow don't look good either. Be quiet. That's governed. Sometimes there's a time for talking and sometimes it's just love. People in deed and in truth. No talking. Number two, my heart must be prepared with an attitude of meekness. Meekness means gentleness and mildness. It says, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. My heart must be prepared for that. That I must be gentle and mildness. My heart must be prepared to restore letter A without feeling superiority. Oh, that's a good one. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. We see we gon' we gonna be honest in here. When someone messed up bad, there's just a little bit of us we feel like that we're just a little bit better than you. That's what God said. It's just you know, you might not strongly if Okay, God said it's human nature. Yeah, I'm just a little bit better than you. See, before you say I don't do that, it's human nature. That's why we got to get it out of our hearts. It might not be a big one, but it's just something, just a little tinge in that that makes me think I'm better than you. Because I didn't do what you did. So I'm better than you. It's there. But God gave me something for that. He said, if you're better than someone else, it's your own opinion. Write it down. So when you get begin to think, I'm a little bit better than you, God said, that's just your own opinion. It's not God's. So you better let the Spirit of God work on you. So that you can restore without feeling superior. We must be prepared to restore letter B by recognizing our own faults. Ooh. See, we don't want to do that. Oh, Lord, really? Do I have to recognize? Yeah, God said now. Before you start doing that, recognize your own faults. Hmm. That's why he said, lest you be tempted... You know what he really meant when he said that? 
He said, now you be still and don't you get too dim, lest you be next. That's what, you wouldn't change that scripture. Lest you be next. You think you got it going on, you'll be next. Lest you be next. Slow it down. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't want to be next. I'm getting rid of this. See, it's human nature to make you feel like, you know, I got it going on. So let me minister something to you, Gus, and no. Let the Spirit of God work on you. So I can let you understand how to minister to someone without feeling that you're superior. I'm recognizing my own. See, before you go up and try to get anybody healed, recognize your own faults first. So you know what? I got some faults of my own. And you know what? I can't be judging anything they did unless it happens to me next. Because the Bible said we've all had our conversation in time past. All of us. We done forgot. What has happened is sometimes we forget that what we're looking at used to be us. But see, it's a long stretch of time. So I'm looking at it different. No. God said, no, it used to be you. It used to be you. And you know you wanted people to have compassion on you. Now all of a sudden you so saved you can't have compassion on anyone else. He said what they're looking at used to be them. What they're witnessing used to be them. It was just a while ago. But see we have to get our hearts prepared to recognize our own faults. See, a lot of, let me tell you, a lot of you, you have a lot of faults. You just didn't get caught. (laughs) See, you think, it tickles me. People get married. They didn't have sex outside of marriage a number of times. But they didn't get pregnant outside of marriage. So I'm a little better than somebody that did get pregnant outside of marriage. Oh, no. Not to God. Maybe to society. But, oh, no. It's the same. You just didn't get caught. And guess what? It wasn't because you were trying not to get caught. Sometimes you don't know how you got caught. Sometimes you can look back on something and say, you know what, I don't even know how I, how I got away with that. You wouldn't even, you, you mean, how did it, see, you just didn't get caught. So you trying to think of it as it wasn't a fault. No, it was a fault. You just didn't get caught. That's little things that children do and when they get grown they tell you about what they did and they didn't get caught when they were young. I'm telling you, I don't care. You have done plenty of faults. You just didn't get caught. And they did. And people wearing, I mean, you know, you you getting married in your big elaborate white dresses, and that's fine, and then that's what you do. But just don't act like you don't have no faults. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Just say, I have my faults. But see, to society it looks good. 
when they got pregnant outside of marriage. We got pregnant inside of marriage. Okay, well let's roll that film back to what you did outside of marriage. To God, it's the same. And you were overtaken with a fault. And you still going to, let me tell you, you set things in motion. Are you with me? Look at somebody and say, I didn't get caught. <laughs> and I'm not talking about, about the police. I'm just talking about you just didn't get caught. And you look good now like you, you, know, you just had it all going on. You ain't never had it going on. You were all overtaken in the fault all the way through. And still, maybe... But you better get this word tonight to come out of it. Just know that. See, I don't care the way society looks at something. I don't care the way people see me. You ought to be concerned how God sees you. And if God says it's wrong, that's who I want to. I, that's what I want to make the difference. That God, God, I want to please your heart. I don't care what people think about me and how they see it. Because see, some of us we just want people to think of us some way, and so we feel better about ourselves. But you don't. You can care less the way God feels about what you've done. Because God knows you're just showing people what you want them to see. God knows the real deal, and we have yet to repent about it. Hmm. Ask yourself. <laughs> Just look next to your partner and say, how did I get away with it? <laughs> look next to your and say, how did I escape it? <laughs> See, I don't care if it was 40 years ago. I don't care if it was 10 years ago. You can still have been overtaken in a fault. Now, when you recognize your own fault, whether you, you, whether you ever say it, whatever you say, what it, if you never say what it was, you know, or not a person can see in your eyes what fault that you had or from, you know, into your heart or the, the, none of that. All of that, it, it means nothing when you know I have to judge I have my own faults. And I had faults before this. I had things that I've done. Because I had a conversation in time past. So I need to be more considerate of those that are having faults right now. Because now I'm walking in the Word, but I have faults. And still have faults. And if I've been brought out of them and God has strengthened me to understand and know what to do, I need to help them get out of it because somebody helped me get out of it. I want to help them get where they need to be. Listen, we have to prepare letter C by examining our actions. That is why it says in verse 4, I like, I like verse 4, but let every man prove his own work. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. In other words, examine your own actions. In other words, we have to make sure that our communication, that our conduct that is pleasing to God and helpful to man. Everything that I do and say and act, I want it to be pleasing to God and helpful to man. See, we are God's representative. I want it to be pleasing to God and helpful to man. So we have to examine our own actions. And we have to do that in the spirit of meekness. Instead of thinking on what you think, you know, or focusing on what you think you did. 
let you know focus on what you're doing in response to everybody even if they've been overtaken in the fall what is your response make sure that your communication and your response is going to be helpful concentrate on focus on that okay before I say something to them is this going to be helpful to them I don't care what you're thinking is it going to be helpful if not keep it we must bear one another's burdens number three Listen, faults create burdens. <laughs> when I get overtaken in the fault, listen, there's going to be some trouble. A burden is just troubles. Just troubles. That you created. The Bible says, bear ye one another's burdens. See, all of us have burdens. Why? Because all of us have faults. All of us have burdens because all of us have faults. Bearing one another's burdens is not just look what, what, I, what, what I have to do for you because you got yourself in this. It's also what someone is currently doing for me because we all have burdens. What is someone doing for you? Because you have a burden. We all have troubles. That's all a burden is. So I, you know, I'm not just got to help them. Why? Because somebody's helping me. I'm going through. Everybody in here, somebody is helping you in some capacity. Helping you because at some point in your life, you created a burden. See, you don't, you don't look at it that way, but it, 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 it's true. Something in your life. See, it might not be as major or as open as somebody else's, but somebody's helping you. You got troubles. So we bear one another's burden because all we have is them. We have, listen, I, I, I want to I help you with it. When I, and it says bear one another's bur burden, it means to ease it, not to take it. Listen. You don't bear one another's burden by taking their problems or saying their problem is yours. It's not your problem. It's theirs. It's their burden. To carry one another's burden. Again, carry means to ease it. I can't... So, this is what God is saying. You cannot take all of what you're carrying off of their shoulders. When they've been overtaken in the fall, you can't come and try to take everything and try to make everything easy for them. God said, you all wrong. That's not bearing one another's burden. You're trying to take it. No. You, you're bearing it. That means that I'm going to ease it for you. That means, have you ever been carrying something heavy? And somebody said, oh, 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 let me help you with that. And you'd be like, oh, no, 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 that's okay, I got it, I got it. And all of a sudden, you, you're packing it, but they put their hand on it. All of a sudden, you just feel like you can make it further. Are you trying to walk up some stairs in your back while you're going to the stairs? And somebody, they don't even have to push you. They can just kind of give you a, just put their hands on your back like you're going up there. And all of a sudden, you feel like you can make it up there. That's bearing one another's burden. They didn't take it from you, but they just helped you, eased it. 
But we, but see, we get so foolish that we try to do everything. Now you're all out of order and out of line. And all against the world. You're just easy. You're bearing whatever. You don't take the burden. You help ease it. And God will show you how to do that. Bearing one another's burden doesn't mean you have to put everything on yourself. And they don't have anything to do. Mm-mm. Listen. The person that's overtaken in the, in the fault, they are going to take the majority of the weight of the thing they have done. I don't care how much you try to put in it. They are going to. You are not going to. I don't care what. Let me tell you. I help my son tremendously. You know, all of us live together, so we work as a unit. We help our son. But guess what? The biggest burden is on him, himself. We help to ease the, but everything else. And you know what he comes and tells me all the time? Mom, this is a 24-hour job. I say, yes, sir. It most certainly is. And I can ease it, but that's it. Because when you have been overtaken in a fault, the majority of it, it's going to be on you. And I ain't trying to step out of my lane. Listen, listen to me. All you, all I'm really trying to tell you is, when someone's been overtaken in the fault and they have to go through, God is saying, now you can grab the corner of the thing and help them lift it. Whatever it might be. But I don't want you to try to lift the whole thing. Because, no, it's their burden. That's helping. You grab the corner. You assist. You don't take over. You don't do what they need to do. You get to the side. You get aside. You know, they're going through the, you lean in just a little bit. Not all the way. You know, we want to take everything. Let me just do everything. Let me, no, lean in. That's helping. But, I, but the big burden is on you. The burden is on you. But if, just think, if all of us in here would just take a little bit, just a little bit of what we need to do, all of a sudden things will change. Because what a person is managing and going through, uh, because they've been overtaken in the fault, it'll help managing it a little easier. But because the burden is still there and it's not going anywhere. But it makes it a little easier. God said, that's the kind of heart I want you all to have. Where you just kind of lean in and help. Just a little bit. Oh, they need a ride? Let me lean in a little bit. Let me help them with this. Oh, they want to go to AMC? Oh, yeah. Let me lean in and help them so they can get there. I ain't talking about trying to go to no mall. See, th- see, that's when we start getting all off. See, when we're trying to get them where they need to be, you lean in and you help them. You don't just go and just, okay, well, let me take care of them. They just want to sleep. Sleep my... Listen. Oh, Lord. Listen. Now, th- now, that just makes me mad. Listen to me. Once you have children, there's no sleeping. Well, I got to get a nap. 
nap my tail, there is no napping. Married or unmarried, that's your responsibility. You gapping, you don't need no napping. Nap my tail. I wish I would keep a baby while you sleep. No, no, no. See, now you're not leaning in. You're taking over. No, no, no. Now, if it's something responsible you want to do, something that you're going to do that's getting you closer back to where God wants you to be, that's not. But napping is not one of them. Hanging out with friends is not one of them. Ooh, just keep on. Oh, I just want to go to sleep. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Excuse me? You don't know, no, no. I'm leaning in, but I'm not taking over. Matter of fact, I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to lay down. That's what I do. And and I and I'm just using that example. It could be anything. It could be anything. You have to know when to lean in and you better know when to lean out. Let God show you. Because let me tell you, you're not getting no brownie talk points with God, God trying to t- carry the whole thing. God said, no, you're out of your lane. And you think, well, I'm just here because God's blessing, so I'm just going to bless you because God. God said that. Now, I didn't have nothing to do with that because I didn't tell you to do that. I'm not trying to give you no break so you won't get near and hear this word. No, no, no. No. I'm trying to help you get where God wants you to be. So I assist you, but I will not do what the majority of the burden that you have, and burden is just trouble from your fault that you've been overtaken in. Now see, you, see, I'm saying all this now so you don't have to. So you can just go with the compassion heart. So I'm just telling you so you will know. So you don't, have to, you don't have to deal with them like I'm telling you now. God is telling you now because he's getting you straight. So when you do go with compassion, you'll go with balance. Because you're not going to deal with them like I'm talking. I'm teaching. But you take it and you say, well, you know what? Let me make sure I'm balanced. Don't move until I hear it from God. I'm not carrying your burden. I'm just going to get my hands in that so that, you know, to help you carry it. But I'm not carrying your burden. I want you to know, I understand. You have the majority of the work. And I'm going to let you do it. In whatever it is. In whatever it is. All I'm there is just to try to make it a little easier. When I want to. Why? Because somebody put a hand on my burdens. But guess what? But I had to live through it. Look back at your burdens. Remember? Yeah, the majority you kept, you carried, right? People helped you out. And people did. But the majority you carried. So don't think you're going to be able to carry a person that's been overtaken in the fault. They got to do it themselves. Somebody helped put their hands on your struggles, but they're not going to take your struggles. You carried the majority of it. I'll even encourage you. But you're going to carry that. 
you know what, I'm almost out of time for work, but you know what, I got about 20 minutes, let me help you. See, that's it. Now I say, well, I'm going to take off for the whole day and I'll just go on and let you, I know you look war, I, you look out of your lane. Out of your lane. No. God said, no. Give them that 20 minutes and then you move on out. Because it's not your burden. You got your own burdens. Remember, God said, let me remind you of yours. And you know what? And, I, and, and it's befitting. And it's right. The way God set it up. It's befitting. It's not like nothing is too hard. Hey, it wasn't too hard when you were doing all the stuff you were doing, whatever it was, whether you were doing drugs, whether you were getting pregnant, whether you were stealing, whether you were, whatever it is, whether you were lying, whether you were cheating, whatever it, whatever it is that got you overtaken in the fall, none of that was, came into play. Now that God is saying, mm -mm, you created those troubles. You created those troubles. Now, I'm going to bring people in your life to help you bear the burden, but they will not take the majority of it. You're going to feel it. Some faults you will feel for the rest of your life. Some you'll come out and you move on, and you've learned and you've gone on. But some faults, it will it'll take you for the rest of your life. It's according to the fault. Step lightly. Don't just, just don't, just, let me tell you, stop getting out of the place where God is not. Because you never know whatever fault you get into. Is it going to take you for a lifetime? Or is it going to take you just, for just enough to, to learn? But, but whatever it is, it's going to be trouble. It's going to be trouble. Because that's what a burden is. But those of us that are spiritual, governed by God, Filled with His Spirit. Obeying His will. Those are the ones that have to go through. And let me tell you. And you will know. And God said, this is the thing you have to make sure. Make sure they repent it. That they're turning around. And they're making an effort. To get back into where God wants them to be. Make sure that. Because then you'll know. Okay God. What, what, do, I need, what do I need to do? We don't want to make it harder if you're truly sincere. We don't want to make it harder. We want to make it easier. We want to assist. We want to help you. We want to help you get where you need to, need to be. But sincerity is key. And just know, we're not there to do everything for you. We're not there to make it easy. We're not there to get you out of this setting. This setting is what you need and the, everything you need. Because when you have troubles, it's coming your way. Things you never thought of. Things you can't even see. But we walk as one. Bearing one another's burdens. Understanding where we are. Giving that extra little time, that extra little ump, that ex extra little encouraging word, that extra this, that, another. Not taking over in no area. Because why? You have your own burdens. You got your own troubles. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. 
For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.